John chapter 8, verse number 30. We'll read verses 30 through 36. As he, talking about Jesus, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever. I like these words. But the Son abideth forever, abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you because you first loved us. God, we're so thankful that the love that you showed toward us, it was shown, it was commended toward us in that while we were yet sinners, you died for our sins. Thank you, Lord God, for the gospel. Thank you for letting us hear the gospel. And God, letting us put our faith in the gospel. And Lord, that message changed my life. And God, I pray this morning that the same message that changed my life 25 plus years ago would change the life of a sinner here this morning. God, there may be someone that's uh, not lost. There's more, maybe somebody here backslid. Maybe somebody that's just cold and indifferent or maybe just distant from you. And oh God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. Help me now to preach the word of God. Help me to say everything that I need to say. Please, Lord, guard me from saying anything I don't need to say. And Lord, I pray you get glory and honor in your church this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. For the word of God, I don't want to keep giving the background over and over and over again, but we've been John chapter 8 for several, several weeks now. And in John chapter 8, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue or in the temple. He is teaching in the temple. And they interrupt him by bringing a woman who they have caught in the midst of the act of adultery. And I've said it over and over. They were not concerned about her sin. They were not concerned about even exacting justice on her or the man that she was in. They were simply there to catch Jesus in a a catch-22. They they were trying to put Jesus in a place between the law of Moses and the law of Rome. And they were trying to see, well, if he breaks the law of Moses, we'll get him. If he breaks the law of Rome, they'll get him. And we're going to catch him up. And they don't. They don't catch him up. And uh, he ends up going back to teaching and they end up interrupting him again. And now we're in the midst of this conversation that is flowing from Jesus to these religious Jews. And the last time we saw that he said, if they did not believe on him, in verse number 24, I said therefore to you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And we see he gets to a pointed part of the conversation that if you don't believe that I am the Messiah, if you do not believe that I am the Christ, if you do not believe that I'm the Savior of the world, you're going to die in your sins. And that message is still true today. That if you reject the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, you too will die in your sin. And you will die in the penalty of sin, which 
wages, the wages, the wage of sin is death. And so I'll say a little bit more about that here in just a minute. And he begins to go on and he begins to talk to these religious Jews more. But we pick up in verse number 30. And verse number 30 says that there were many there that day who believed on him. I see by way of introduction their profession of faith. There were some people there who believed on him. They placed their faith in him. They had seen the wondrous works of this man from Galilee. They had heard the wonderful message of this man. They had seen that he is different than every other man they'd ever met. He's teaching things that he's teaching things that they had never heard before. He's doing things they knew only God could do and they placed their faith in him. They believed in him. Now, matter of fact, we know, or let me say this, they believed on him for who he was at that moment. Let me say, they did not know about the cross. They did not know that he was going to die on the cross. He was going to be buried and he was going to raise again the third day. That still was a mystery to them. Matter of fact, even the 12 disciples did not understand that. As much as the Lord Jesus told them up front, hey I'm about to go die they could not understand that that was a mystery to them but these people these people believed that he was the Messiah and I just say this uh, and I said it early this morning before Sunday school but we need to pray uh, for the peace of Jerusalem we need to pray for what's going on over in Israel right now but I tell you more than we need to pray for physical peace for Israel we need to pray that they come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, their Messiah has all already come and he came and he came to this earth and they received him not. Oh but I'm glad that he didn't just throw them away then. He still went to the cross for their sins just like he did for my sins. And if they repent and believe the gospel they can be saved just like we are saved my friend. And we need to pray that they receive him as their Messiah. Here in verse number 30 there's some Jews that did believe on him as the Savior. And they, I see their profession of faith. But then I see in verse number 31, we see the proof of their faith. Jesus says this to them. Uh, verse number 31, And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. He does, not, he does not say here this is how you are saved. He doesn't say this is how you are converted. He said this is the proof of your conversion. This is the proof of your faith. If you continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed. And my friend there is a proof of faith. My friend believing on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation that's what it takes to be saved. But my friend to prove your salvation. There's a proving of our salvation and that is walking in his commandments. Walking according to his word. I wouldn't give a plug nickel for somebody who says they are saved and continues on the pathway of sin and continues on the pathway of the unrighteous and continues on the pathway of darkness. Hey listen I understand there needs to be discipleship and there needs to be sanctification. I understand all of that. But my friend there's a change that takes place. If any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are become new and there is something new that takes place in the life of a believer 
And so we see the profession of faith. We see the proof of faith. But then we see the pardoning of faith. Notice he said in verse number 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We're going to visit this in just a moment. But my friend, when you are, when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that truth makes you free. It gives you liberty. It gives you freedom. It causes you to be emancipated from sin. I'll visit that here in just a moment again. But I'll say this, that freedom only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not find that freedom in a bottle. I don't care if it's a liquor bottle or a pill bottle. You're not going to find that in some kind of relationship or some kind of fellowship. You're not going to find that in any kind of religion or any kind of education or any kind of prestige that this world has to offer. You only find this freedom in the truth of, that Lord, that, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth that He is the Savior of the world. It's the pardoning of the faith. I see the profession of faith, the proof of faith, but then I see the pardon of faith. But here, I, as, I, as I see this statement, this conversation unfold, when He says that statement, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, now I'm, I'm for this. I like it a whole lot when I'm reading the Bible as my text, and I hear people saying, Amen. I like that. I like hearing people saying, Amen. And when I read verse 32 just a moment ago, and, and, and when I read that verse, I heard some people go, Amen. Hallelujah. You know why? For us, man, that, for us that are saved, that's some, that's some, that is some encouraging words to know that we're free in Christ. And that is some exciting words. But for these Jews he's talking to, those were some offensive words. He said, uh, he said uh, you shall know the truth. Gives the idea they don't know the truth right now. They're blinded to the truth. You shall know the truth means they don't have it right now. They don't know it right now. They could know it. They could know the truth. They're not blinded because God hid it from them. They're not, guided, they're not blinded because God only picked a certain few. They're blinded because they willfully have rejected the light. I've said that week after week here lately. Uh, they are rejecting. Uh, they are none so blind as those that choose not to see. And they're staring the light of the world right in the face. And they're rejecting who he is. They are willfully blind to who he is. He, but he says this, you shall know the truth. They're going to know it one day. Hey, when darkness floods the earth, those three hours of darkness, when Christ is on the cross, they know who he is. Hey, that Roman soldier looked up and said, I know who he is. Hey, they, and watch this. One day Israel is going to know who their Messiah is. One day he is going to step out. On, hallelujah. One day he's going to step out off of, not on a cloud. I thank God for that day. He's going to get us out of here. But he's coming back and he's going to step a foot on the Mount of Olives and he's going to set himself down on the throne of David. And he's He's going to rule and he's going to reign. Thank God. They're going to know who he is one day. They're going to know the truth one day. But he shall know the truth. But then he says this, and the truth shall make you free. That gives the idea not only are they blind, blind, but they are bound. They're bound. They take offense. You say, how do I know that? I just read my Bible. Look what it says. They answered him. We be, be careful to just speed reading your Bible. This is the conversation. Notice we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Can you hear it? Can you just, that, that discuss, what do you mean? Whoa, 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 hold on. We're Abraham's seed. You know who you're talking to? 
We've never been in bondage to any man. Hey, what do you mean? To be made free means we've got to be in bondage. I thought about this. I wrote down this. What self-deception. Self-deception. His statement of being made free, it, it, it insinuates a bondage and, and these Jews recognize it and they were immediately offended. And this, and this statement they make back to him, it's ridiculous. You ain't got to know a whole lot about your Bible to know that the statement they made, we were and were never in bondage to any man, it's not true. Many of you maybe are learning about it. I don't know all of our, our classes, our Sunday school classes. And let me just put a plug in for our Bible classes. If you're not part of one, I invite you to be a part of one. But I'm sure our kids are learning uh, in the Bible stories. They've learned, and I don't know where everybody's at in each class, but, but they've learned about some bondage that Israel has been in. Like uh, the Egyptian bondage. Like, like the, to name maybe the first one we hear about. The bondage that Egypt had them for over 400 years when the Pharaohs ruled and reigned over Israel and the Hebrews were trapped in that bondage. They were bound. And then we read about later on, they come out of Egypt, they finally get on promise. But then, in reality, they were even in bondage in their own land because they were letting all that Philistine uh, influence come in and all those Ammonites and Moabites come in. In reality, they were in bondage then. And then they get carried off into Assyria in bondage again. And then they get in Babylonian bondage again. What do you mean you've never been in bondage to any man? Your history is a history of bondage. And matter of fact, while they're speaking to Jesus, they're in bondage. You know why they came in with that adulterous lady earlier? Because they wanted to trap him between the law of Moses and the law of Rome. And Because here's what they knew. They knew the law of Moses said stone him, but the law of Rome won't allow him to because they were in bondage to Rome. Rome was ruling over Jerusalem at that time. Rome was rolling over. The, they were in bondage while they were saying they were not in bondage. You say, well, why would they say something, such a thing? Because they were deceived. They, I'm talking about self-deception. They were deceived about their physical bondage. But watch this, worse than that. They were deceived about their spiritual bondage. Because Jesus wasn't necessarily uh, talking to them about uh, their physical bondage under Rome or Babylon or Assyria or, or going back to Egypt. He wasn't talking about, he was talking about their spiritual bondage. And so they were deceived about their physical bondage, but they were also deceived about their spiritual bondage. They thought, we're, we're Abraham's seed, we're okay. We're Jews. We're automatically in. We're okay. You know, there's a lot of people that are self-deceived about their spiritual bondage this afternoon, this morning. They think I'm okay. My, my, my family's always been Christians. My, my family always has went to church. I'm a member of this church or I'm a member of that church or I've, I've done this or I have done that. And, and I, we be Abraham's seed. We've never been in, but I've always been saved. And that's self-deception. That's self-deception about your spiritual bondage. And so Jesus picks up on what they're, what they're saying. He, he picks up on, and notice this, Jesus doesn't go the back and forth route about fit. He could have said, hey guys, have you even studied your Bible? <laughs> he could have said, hey, have you even, ever read about the Egyptian bondage? <laughs> you ever read the book of Exodus? You know what they were exiting? Egyptian bondage? He could have done that. But watch this. 
Jesus wasn't concerned about that physical body. We go into the jail and used to, we sung a lot. We used to have a lot, we used to have a lot more time in the jails and we'd sing. And if we ever asked, it, if we ever asked uh, for a request, the, the, the favorite song would be, can y'all, can y'all, uh, he set me free. He set me free. They want to sing, he set me free. You know why? Because they thought that if they got saved, they would automatically get released out of jail. And I would tell them every time, we will sing this song. But I want you to understand, this song is not about your, your sentence here. Okay? This, this song is about your sin, being set free from sin. And Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to fuss with them about their physical bondage. They're under bondage right now. They can't even stone me because Rome won't let them. Matter of fact, later on, six months down the road from this account, he's gonna, they're going to try to kill him, and, and they go back and forth because Rome has got to be the one to kill him, right? But Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter. We see their self-deception, but we see sin's domination. Look what he says in verse number 34. Jesus answered them, verily, verily. I've said something about it every time we've come to that verily, verily in your Bible. It's only in the book of John. And it means this, listen up. Here, here's what exactly, it means this. What he's about to say is a statement of divinity. It's the equivalent of the Old Testament, thus saith the Lord. What Jesus is about to say here, it's got weight to it. Now, everything he says got weight to it. Don't take me wrong here. But he's about to say something that's, that's, that's it's, it's divine. It is straight from the throne. And again, I don't want to cross any of that up. But verily, verily, you better listen to what he's about to say here. Look what it says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That word committeth. It's not the single act of sin. It's not the, the, the single act, but it's a living a life of sin. And here's what he says. Those that are living in sin are dominated by sin. You don't think you're in bondage? Listen, your bondage is worse than Roman bondage. Your bondage is worse than the Egyptian bondage or the Babylonian or whatever other bondage we want to talk about historically. Your bondage is worse than any bondage you may have in this life. You are bound by sin. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. They are enslaved by sin. I thought it was interesting. There are three words in our New Testament that give us the description of of the unregenerate person gives us a description of the lost person. I like letting the Bible define words for us. And the Bible gives us three words to describe the lost. One of those words is a sinner. A sinner. A sinner is just someone who breaks the moral law of God. He's guilty of moral imperfection. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all broken the moral law of God. I could go through the Ten Commandments. And you could say, I might could get all of them right. Well, I could go through Ephesians 4, and I've done this a lot lately. I, I, I could go through some commandments, and you might, I can do okay. But Ephesians 4 says, be ye kind one to another. You ever been unkind to somebody? Some of y'all been unkind to people this morning. You put on a fake smile walking in the door, and that's fine and dandy and everything, but you've been unkind to this morning. Amen. I go on. But, but we've sinned, so a sinner. Then there's a word that, that the word is a slave. A slave. Here there is, it's almost a digression of this sinner. He has broken the moral law. He is guilty of moral imperfection. But now that evil that's made that man a sinner has now overwhelmed him. It's now overtaken him. It's now controlling him. 
It controls his thoughts. It controls his tongue. What he he talks about it all the time. He's thinking about it all the time, and then and then it controls him. He's it, it controls his task. He's doing it all the time. He's just caught. He's entangled in this web of sin. He's enslaved in this web of sin. So he goes from a sinner to a slave. And then there's another word in our Bible to, to describe the the sinner man. He's he's an enemy. He's an enemy. Ephesians 2 talks about us being at enmity with God. And that is one who bitterly opposes divine government. He's the one that says, I don't need a God to rule in my life. I don't need no Bible to tell me what to do. I don't need no preacher to preach at me. I don't need no teacher to teach at me. Hey, leave that Bible stuff alone. Leave that God stuff alone. I'm okay where I'm at. I'm all right where I'm at. And they are enslaved in their sin to the point where they're an enemy of God. Those three words describe the lost world. The entrance of that evil made the man a sinner. But then the increasing strength of that sin, that evil made him a slave. And then the continuing increase of that evil made that man an enemy of God. For now he's not only a slave, but he loves his sin and he fights for his sin. He'll die for his sin. He'll, he'll, reject, he'll forsake everybody that loves him for his sin. He'll abandon his family for his sin. He'll abandon the church that loves him for his sin. He'll abandon his wife that loves him for his sin. He'll abandon his children who love him for his sin. He'll abandon his job for his, free, uh, his sin. And he's fighting for that sin. He is enslaved. He's controlled by that sin. And you say it won't happen to me. It's happened to everybody else. You're no exception. I'm talking about sin's domination. We see the self-deception, the sin's domination, but then I see the servant's dilemma. Look what it says. Verse number 34 said the, the, the one who, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Verse 35 says this, and the servant abideth not in the house forever. There's a dilemma here with this servant. This servant, this slave, does not have a permanent standing in the master's house. Here's the reality. You're not going to live forever. Here's the reality. You're not promised tomorrow. Talked to, I, I mentioned it the other day. I can't remember what day. I, I, you know, preaching and teaching and give, preaching and teaching almost every day of my life. I don't remember where I was at. I think it was here, though. I was talking about that, that young man who five years ago told me the next time, the next time I feel what I need to feel, looking for a feeling. He was going to come get saved. Here we are. His life is in shambles. His life has been ruined. And it wasn't because he ain't had a feeling. It's because he's rejected the gospel. You're not promised today. You're not promised the rest of this day. You're not promised tomorrow. And you say, is that a scare tactic? You call it what you want to. It's the truth is what it is. The, the, the servant's not abiding forever. The servant's not going to be here forever. There's a payment. There's a payday coming. The wages of sin is death. There's the end of this thing. There's an end coming. And so the servant, so he's not permanent. Watch this. At any time, that servant can be sold off or hauled away to a worse captivity. You may think, well, I'm just involved in this little deal of sin. I mean, nobody really knows about it right now. It's just between me and God or maybe, and maybe whoever else I'm involved with it in. And, 
I won't be that bad, but, but, but watch this. You're the servant. You're not the master. You don't have no rights. He'll sell you off. He'll sell you off to something worse. I, I go, we, go in, we go into these jails every week, and I've been down to the max uh, lockdown portions of the jail. I've been down to some of the, 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 uh, the, the largest prisons or the, the worst prisons. I say the, the prisons who hold some of the worst criminals in our country. I've went down there, and I've witnessed one-on-one through the glass door to some of them, some of them uh, through the little bean, bean hole. I've witnessed to them, and, I, and, and this is the story I hear over and over and over again. I didn't know it ended up like this. I didn't think I'd go this far. I didn't think I'd go this far. I asked a young man, he was 18 year old at Whitfield County Jail in Max Lockdown probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. I looked at him and he was standing there through that glass. He's 18 year old. It looked like a healthy young man. Had tattoos all over his face and he's crying and weeping as I was reading the Bible. I looked at him and he was in there for two counts of murder at the age of 18. He said, Preacher, I committed my first murder when I was 14 years old. I said, How in the world did you get involved with a life like that? He said, When I was 13 years old, I entered, the ga- I entered the gang that I'm in now. He said, And I, I, had to, I killed somebody at the age of 14. He said, Now I'm in here because they finally caught me on the second one and they're tying me uh, to the first one again. He said, and He said, I've ruined my life. At the time, I was teaching down in Rome high school there and I said I got a class full of kids who are on probation already getting in some dabbling in some trouble with the law they're only 14 years old I said if I could I can't but if I could I could bring you down that classroom you talk to young people what would you tell them he said I'd tell them to stop he said because that little stuff's gonna grow what he said now he's not a preacher he's not a Bible teacher he's a young 18 year old man that's about to spend his life in prison who's ruined his life with sin. He said that stuff's going to grow. That little petty stuff they're on probation for, that little petty stuff they think's cool, that little gang they think's a little cool, little friendship or whatever. He said it's going to grow. It's going to grow. And he said this. He said the devil will sell you off. The servant doesn't abide forever. That master will sell you off to another master. That alcohol you're deviling in will sell you off to hard drugs. Amen. That little fornication you're dealing with will sell you off to full-blown adultery, full-blown perversion, full hey, who knows what you'd be capable of. Oh, that little, that little, uh, that little lie you're doing right now, little white lies, you want to call it a white lie. God just says it's a lie. That little white lie you're telling right now, it'll grow. He'll sell you off to a life of deception. Talking about sin's dominance and the servant's dilemma. The servant's dilemma is a slave is a slave. A slave has no rights. A slave has no status. A slave, a slave has no say in his fate. And all of us in this room were in that state at one time. All of us were a slave of sin at one time in our life. And I believe there are some in here this morning, you still are a slave to sin. That's your dilemma. And maybe I'm not... Thank for you being here. I, I want to see even more people here. I want to see as many people we can get here. But, but listen, maybe you're here today to soothe your conscience. Maybe you're here today to maybe make you feel better about yourself. You know you're a servant of sin, but you're in this dilemma. And so you're trying to make it feel better about yourself. You're trying to make it feel better about your life that you're living. And you have no intention of change. You can go back tonight, maybe even this afternoon, and go back right back to the sin that you've been living in. But you've got to kind of feel a little bit better about myself. But you're in a dilemma. Is you're still a slave. 
And the thing is, some, you know, you study slavery and all that kind of stuff. Some slaves had really, really good masters and some had really, really bad masters, but the, the same was the same for all. They were still slaves. <laughs> they were still slaves. And you're still a slave. And your master may be better than the other master, but you're still a slave. I see the son's the servant's dilemma, but, but lastly this morning, I see the son's deliverance. Verse 35. But the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. In stark contrast to the servant, we see the Son, the capital S-O-N. And I saw, I see this. It says in verse 35, He's the Son forever. He is the eternal Son. While the servant has no rights, the Son has all the rights to the Father's inheritance. While the servant has no status, the Son is part of the family. The Son is an heir and He's got all the right and even the authority of the Father back in him he's got he is the eternal son he's the forever son I see in verse 36 I like this he is an emancipating son <laughs> what's that mean? He, he's the freeing son he's the son that brings freedom see the only hope that the servant has is that somebody makes him free. The only hope that a servant has is to be made free and that can only happen through the Son. Jesus is telling them one more time, if you don't believe that I am He, you're going to die in your sin. You're a servant to sin. You're bound by sin. But if you believe on me as the Son of a living God, as the Savior of the world, that I will make you free. I will set you free. I will give you liberty. I will emancipate you from the bondage of sin. The son's the only one makes servant free this morning. I see first of all the servant, the source of this freedom. Look in verse 32. Verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And verse 36 says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So I see this, combining those two verses with the context of what's going on in chapter number 8, we see that that truth, you put these two statements together along with the context of the conversation, and we see the truth here is regarding who Jesus is and what he did for sinners. Here's what it does. It refers to the whole truth of who Jesus Christ is. See, the source of our liberty is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. You're not going to find it in religion. I mean, thank God for pure religion, undefiled. I mean, this, this is a religion. Somebody says, Christianity's not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, it is a relationship, but it is religion too. James 1, 26, 27, it's pure religion, undefiled. All right, but it's religion. But watch this. Religion ain't going to save you, though. Church membership ain't going to save you. Baptism ain't going to save you. Lord's Supper ain't going to save you. Preaching a message ain't going to save you. Teaching a Sunday school lesson ain't going to save you. Sing a song, it ain't going to save you. Religion ain't going to do it. Watch this, works of righteousness, they're going to do it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the most righteous person I know. You might be, but you ain't met everybody yet. I'm the most righteous person in my home. Yep, but you ain't been to somebody else's home. I can find somebody better than you. Just like I can find somebody better than me. Well, if I'm good enough, long enough. Okay, 
When's, what is long enough? Well, I've been good for 75 years. Well, I know somebody's been good 100 years. What was the measuring stick? Here's the measuring stick. Jesus. You as good as him? No. You've been as good as long as him? No. Hey, you know what the Bible says? There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The measuring stick is Jesus. And we come short of the measuring stick. Our righteousness can't save us. Our religion can't save us. Your reasoning can't save you. Well, I think I'm smarter than God. I can figure this thing out on my own. Me and God's got this thing worked out between ourselves. No, no, no. You, you don't have You might have it with some little G God, but not the God of the Bible. I'm not reasoning. Well, how? Well, how? How do I get free? How do I, how, do I, how do I get free from this sin that got me entangled? This dilemma I'm in, how do I get delivered from it? It's through Jesus Christ alone. The source of freedom is the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. He said in John 14, 6, we'll get there eventually. When we're preaching through the book of John right now. We'll get there eventually. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. No man come to the Father but by me. He's the only way of salvation. I see the source of this freedom. I see the scope of this freedom. This is rich. I'm almost done. Look right here. Notice he says this in verse 36. Uh, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. These two words, these two words free here, they have a slightly different meaning, but they give the complete understanding of what Jesus is saying here. Y'all watch this. The first free, therefore shall make you free. The first one means to set at liberty. It's a picture of someone liberating a slave from bondage, right? That makes sense in the context. Doesn't it? But the next free here, it means one who is free born. Somebody who was never a slave at all. Somebody who was never in bondage. Here's what Jesus is saying here in verse 36. He is saying here that the freedom that he gives... And only he gives when he saves us is so complete that it is as if we were never slaves to begin with. But it is as we were free born sons of God. That's justification. It is as if we had never sinned. As if we were never in bondage when we place our faith in the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. He frees us so free that it's like, hey, he doesn't just wipe the slate clean. He gives the brand, brand new slate. He doesn't just turn the leaf over. He gives us a brand new book. He gives us a new life in Christ that is reborn. Son of God. Amen. Whoa! Hallelujah. Glory to God. If that don't excite you, it's because maybe you hadn't been made free. But I remember where I was when I was lost in my sin. I remember where I was when I was bound in sin, headed to hell. Oh, I knew I deserved hell. I knew I was getting what I deserved. But I'm so thankful the day that the Son came forth and made a house call to my house. And He set me, He made me free. And He made me free indeed. Amen. And so when you go to Him, Say, so you know old Will Allen? You know all that bad stuff he does? He'll say, what sins 
are you talking about? <laughs> I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. <laughs> when I go to him and say, oh, God, you remember how bad I used to be? You remember how rotten I He said, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember me. Oh, and then when the devil comes up there and says that old Will Allen, he's a sorry, low, down, good for nothing. Oh, he claims to be a preacher. He claims to be a Christian. But you know the stuff I know about him, don't you, God? You know the stuff I got on. You know all the dirt I got on. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. From the book of life, they've all been torn out. I don't remember them anymore. I'm talking about the scope of this freedom. I see the source is the truth of who Jesus is. The scope is that we're free and we're so free. It's as if we've never been a slave. But last, I'm done here, Brother Tim, if you want to come play softly. I see the sphere of this freedom. Number one, free from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Well, that's bad news. Because everybody's going to have to pay. But... But the gift of God, you say, you quote that all the time. Yeah, because it's good. <laughs> but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a free gift he's offering this morning. And you, you say, I'm going to go my own way. Well, you're going to pay with, with death. And I don't mean just physical death. The Bible talks about a second death. You're going to die in your sins. Are you going to receive the gift that Christ has given? The gift of God. He's already paid for it. It's eternal life. Forever life. Hallelujah. Everlasting life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. For whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved hallelujah he that believeth is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten son of God you're not believed well, if you believe this morning you place your faith in him turn from yourself Turn from your religion, your righteousness. Turn from your wretchedness. Turn from all that. Turn from yourself. Place your faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll save you. He'll free you from the penalty of sin. But watch this. For us that are saved. And if you get saved today, you'll be part of us. He, he frees you from the power of sin. <laughs> it's not that I won't ever sin again. It's just that I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to sin. I don't have, I'm not in bondage to that sin anymore. I've been set free. I'm not bound by that sin. Oh, oh, that temptation may cut fly by. That temptation might fly and try to uh, perch up on the, the, the branches of my brain. Uh, and he may try to tempt me and draw me away from the things of God. And all I have to say is I don't live there anymore. I don't do that anymore. I've been set free from that sin. And God has made me a way of escape. I, I don't have to do that no more. I don't have to 
to live that way no more. I don't have to die that way. I am living in the out of the power of sin in my life. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live. Keep, I'm just always falling. I'm always falling. I'm always falling. Listen, you don't have to live like that. Seems like my Christian life is like a roller. It don't have to be like that. And listen, if it's like that, listen, here's a pastoral moment. Don't testify of it here. Because we don't need these young people hearing that their life has to be like a roller coaster. This is the best life you'll ever live, young person. First of all, getting saved by the good grace of God. Then selling out totally to the Lord. Ain't no better life to live. And even if it was like a roller coaster, I like roller coasters. <laughs> Amen. I like riding them. Amen. It's been fun. Watch it. The, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. This is something to shout about. One day, we're going to be free from the presence of sin. Hallelujah to the glory of God. One day, when we get home, we ain't going to have no more sin. Revelation 27, 21, 27. There's no more sin. Hallelujah to God. No more temptation. No more tempter. No more accuser of the brethren. None of all that. None of it. One day, we're going to be rescued from the presence of sin. Free. How about the son's deliverance this morning? Listen. We can shout about that if we're saved. And if you are saved and you're still living under the power of sin, I, I believe you ought to go, come to God, confess your sin, and forsake your sin and leave it with Him. If you confess our sin, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you're lost this morning, bound in sin, the Son is here. He's wanting to make you free. He's wanting to make you free, and he's wanting to make you free indeed. But just, I mentioned that gift. If you, he's got the gift offered to you. Are you going to receive it? Are you going to turn around and reject it today? Again. One more time. Just uh, Might be the last time because the servant abideth not ever. The servant doesn't abide in the house forever. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior this morning, I invite you to come. May some of you, you've been around this thing long enough. You know exactly what you need to do. Believe on Him. Maybe there's a Christian here. There's some things in your life you need to get right with God. I don't know. I know this, there's some Christians here that every one of us need to be praying for sinners. Every one of us.